Welcome to the Upper Left Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Anderson, and today on the show, I'm joined by Chuck McGee. Chuck is one of the first American instructors of the Wim Hof Method, and he was the first American to teach alongside Wim in Poland. I was very fortunate uh, to read the book Breath by James Nestor uh, about a month ago. Fortunately, at the end of the book, he listed a batch of resources, one of which was Chuck, who is also one of the characters in the book that James encounters on his breathing journey. And I decided to log on to Chuck's site and check out his offerings, one of which is a free breathwork class every Monday night at 9 p.m. Pacific. I thoroughly enjoyed my experience, got in touch with Chuck, and he was good enough to come onto the show to talk about some of the breathing stuff from James's book and then some of my own questions as well in conjunction with The Oxygen Advantage by Patrick McKeon. Chuck and I talked about his story beginning as a bartender in the Bay Area and his journey towards understanding the importance of breath and becoming certified in the Wim Hof Method. He also discusses the pillars of Wim Hof, Wim Hof how long it takes to get some of the changes that Wim Hof's method uh, promises, and then how long those changes can stick uh, should someone not continue down the path of practicing breath work. We also discuss the various benefits of breathing for sick and healthy people, for athletes, and then also the different types of breathing strategies, including nasal and mouth breathing. I think as the podcast continues, one of my favorite things is bringing on people who are genuinely excited and joyful about their work, and Chuck certainly fits that mold. Uh, this is one of my favorite conversations I've had on the podcast to date. Uh, he tells great stories and paints a great picture of how important this thing called breathing really is. So let's get right into it. Without further ado, here is Chuck McGee. And just switching the breath all around and seeing what we can do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Looks silly on an airplane, but it's it's something to do. <laughs> Look, man, I've been doing breath holds walking down my street to work holding my nose. So, I mean, <laughs> it's all the same. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm <laughs> there's there's times when I'm in the doctor's office. I'm a type 1 diabetic, so I'm there quite a bit. And I'll be doing like a round or two of Wim Hof method. And the lady comes out and she's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. Why wouldn't I be? She's like, you're hyperventilating. <laughs> Like, yep. She's like, you're <laughs> not supposed to, yeah, she's like, you're not supposed to do that. I'm like, no, it's cool. I got this. Talk to me a little bit about just the how you got into it in your story and, and mm-hmm. some of the things that have kind of really helped you out along the way with it. Absolutely. Um, well, I was, a, I was a bartender for 16 years. And it, it's, it's a high-stress world. I, I mean, you're sitting there at your customers are uh, invariably going to be drunk at some point and they're, they're screaming at you. You you have to perform. Um, My master's degree is in theater and film. So that that is another high stress world. And around eight years ago now, yeah, holy crap. About eight years ago, um, I was diagnosed as a type one diabetic. My pancreas just stopped producing insulin. The, the doctors still don't know why. Uh, they, they said it was an autoimmune response. Their best guess is it was to the mold, which is a temperate rainforest. I grew up there as well. Um, and they, they think the mold just overwhelmed my body. And luckily, it shut down my pancreas. I have friends who are deaf 
I have friends who have IBS and Crohn's, all from mold, uh, Parkinson's, MS, just any autoimmune illness that can happen, mold can trigger it. So I got lucky. I got the eat right and get healthy disease. And <laughs> I, um, I'm working, I, I worked Monday nights and it was dead. And one of my customers comes in just totally on blow and he wouldn't leave. And basically when people ask, like, how did I get into the Wim Hof method? And it's like, well, this is the story of how cocaine changed my life. Uh, I wasn't on cocaine, but my customer was, and he wouldn't stop babbling about this crunchy hippie granola thing called the Wim Hof method. And I'm like, that's, that's ridiculous. Breathing, it's like, it'll help your cardiovascular system. You really got to look it up. And I was like, all right, if you go home, I'll look it up. So I watched, I watched the Vice documentary and I followed along with the breathing and I felt amazing. And I'm like, holy, holy crap. How, how can I feel this good in 20 minutes from a video? And, and just doing, okay, all right, there's, there's, there's something here. I bought the 10 week course and started the journey. And uh, I, I asked my boss for a raise a couple months later. He told me, you know, fuck off, I'm replaceable. And I was like, oh, okay. Busy weekend booking this Wim Hof advance course. I get there and they're like, welcome to instructor training. Pardon? They're like, no, you're an instructor training. Oh, I just signed up for the advance course. I'm like, did you read it? I'm like, I didn't read it. I just booked it out of spite. And they're like, you sure you want to be here? I'm like, ah, fuck it. Let's go for it. And I'm, I'm not kidding. That's, that's how I fell into the Wim Hof method. Oh, that's so funny, man. Oh, my and gosh. I, I, I go to Colorado for the master's training, and it was absolutely incredible. I quit my job working at the bar before I went to master's training. I haven't bartended. Um, well, I've volunteered my time and, and done weddings and stuff because, you know, I, I like bartending on my, but on my time, but not, not for someone else's time anymore. And now, I mean, if five years ago you were to tell me I'd get to travel around the world and, and teach people to breathe and sit in cold water and support my family from that, I'd be like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. That doesn't sound like me. But, but now I get, to, I get to watch people embrace their own power to, to help themselves with breath. I mean, because that's what's so amazing about the Wim Hof method and oxygen advantage is it's not the instructor can give you the tools, but you still have to use them. You still have to claim that power. And that, that to me is just, that's why I do it. Watching people go from like angry and stressed out and, and like having that twitchy eye to just smiling and being like, I didn't know it could be this way. I just didn't know. I mean, so many people breathe ineffectively. I, I did. My background's in theater. Like, we know how to diaphragmatically breathe. I can project. I don't need a microphone to speak to a room of two or 300 people. I can boom my voice out there. And I'm still sleeping with my mouth open, just unaware that it's messing up my body. Yeah, dude, I... I think that was the, the, my biggest takeaway is that something so simple that's been at our fingertips for our entire lives can actually influence such a big change. Like for myself over the last couple of weeks, like 
I don't do a lot with technology, um, like on my own, but I like have a heart rate monitor occasionally and I'll pull it out. And I was like, you know what? I just want to see, like, I feel way better after I do some of this stuff, whether I do it more aggressively to get, you know, more sympathetically driven or more, more, uh, try or to try to induce like a relaxed state. And I, I tone the breathing down. And I was like, I wonder what happens on either side of that from an HRV perspective. And it's, my numbers are driving up or down in the direction I want them to go with 10 minutes of breathing. I was, I was just floored. It's just kind of like, wow, this is, this is really something, you know, just that, that little bit of focus, that, that little extra bit of attention to, to pay to ourselves, to give ourselves that, that little cushion. And I mean, one of my favorite, I have, you know, as a bartender, I collected sayings, I collected jokes and I, I'll, <laughs> My kids laugh because they'll say one of my favorite sayings. And they're like, which one of the thousand favorite sayings you like? And like the, the ones that always pop through my head is you're your body's pilot, not the passenger. Anticipate, stop reacting. And that, that's huge. Or <clears throat> the other one I, I really adhere to because of the breath is the only investment that pays off every time is the time you take to invest in yourself. And people out there, they're like, but I want to change the world. I want to do all these great things. And I'd like to remind them, you're part of the world. Change yourself first. Be that example. Be calm. Walk through this stressful time with a smile. That's going to be so much more powerful for everyone around you than you trying to fix them. <laughs> yeah, we get, we get, it's funny. I've been thinking about this a lot recently. I feel like in today's day and age, we're so globally connected. Everyone wants to have this like massive overarching impact on whatever it is that bothers them. And I'm like, you know, a lot of them you look and you're like, how about you? Like, are you like within your sphere of influence in general? Like, what are you doing there? And if they don't say, if they, if they don't have any good answers for you, I'm like, well, maybe you should just start there first. It's <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Start small. Like my, my best, my, my big goals right now are to be a good husband to my wife, to be a good dad to my kids. And, and am I perfect all the time? Absolutely not. I know I do my best, but everybody's human. And to accept the fact that you're going to fail. Everyone is so afraid of failing. If you don't fail, how can you, how can you learn? And if you're, I mean, fail big fail fantastically at least you're trying and we have this really terrible habit in our society to be like well i tried to play basketball but i'm not lebron james well <laughs> no <laughs> shit how much time did he put into that like i could pick up a guitar right now but i'm not going to play like eddie vetter i'm, I'm not going to play like Jimi hendrix i'd have to put in that time that dedication, that work, that practice. But, but and, for a lot of those people, it's, it's all or nothing. Like, oh, if I'm not that automatically, then I'm just not going to try this. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but, but he spent 25, 35 years to get to where you're at. You tried for 25 minutes. <laughs> there's, there's a discrepancy. I mean, the numbers were the same. The units were different. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, they, they only dedicated their entirety of their being to this goal. And you just tried it, got pissed off, and stopped. And, and people, people assume that was breath work, too. They're like, it's so easy. Why isn't it working? Well, it is, but it, it takes time. They're like, well, you, you got off your blood pressure medication by doing this. Yep, not the next day. 
Well, I'm, I'm sure you didn't set it as a goal either. That's the other thing I've noticed is like, I've had a few sessions and I've got, I'm probably lucky, like on Sunday, last Sunday, I had like a, just a session where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of having an out of body experience here. Like, this is kind of neat, you know? But like the other day, I was like, it'd be cool to have that again. So of course I didn't have it. Like, you can't chase these things, you know? That's, <laughs> but that, that's a huge, that, that's, that's an amazing realization. Like you, you can't chase that. You've got to let it happen naturally. The more we're trying to chase these specific outcomes, the, the more narrow our, our success is. Why not just breathe and see what happens? Dude, I love it. I love that. That's so great. So what are the, so I'm actually not, I'd heard of Winhoff, but knew very little about it. Still know very little about it. Just from a, like, I guess, overarching principle standpoint, you mentioned the pillars the other night in one of the breast sessions. What are, what are the pillars of Wim Hof? So the, the three pillars of the Wim Hof method are, are, um, breathwork exercises or breathing exercises. The second pillar is the gradual and safe exposure to the cold. Uh, everyone thinks like, let's start at an ice bath. You can if you'd like, but why not start at a cold shower? Why not, why not do your hands and feet if, if you don't want to jump in the ice right away? And the third pillar, and I'm not going to lie, I thought this pillar was, was ridiculous. Uh, the third pillar is mindset. And it took me a while to shift my consciousness because the mindset I was in was a, a routinely stressed out and aggressive one. I mean, when you're working with drunk people all the time and you may be getting in a physical altercation, it's hard to see a world in a positive light. But that third pillar, that, that mindset, that positive attitude and, and positive approach to the world, even in failure, even in difficult times, is one of the most powerful tools we can possess. And, and we train that by, by leaning into the uncomfortable. When you're breathing, to not suppress those emotions that are coming to the surface by letting them come, to cry if you need to cry, to laugh if you need to laugh, to shout if you need to shout. I mean, expression is the opposite of depression. Just let that shit go. And by rephrasing the story you're telling yourself, I'm not bad at things. I'm just not experienced enough to be proficient in it yet. I'm not having a shitty day. I'm alive. And I'm having an awful moment that I can probably turn around. And, you know, I've been in four car accidents, two motorcycle accidents, um, roughly 500 altercations in the 16 years I was in the bar. And... You know, I, I can phrase all that stuff is that's awful. I, I'm my body's I have, you know, I'm in pain, two compressed discs in my spine, type one diabetic, and all of that shit can weigh me down and break me, or I can just smile and just, you know, pain is for the living. And, and I can do my breath work, I can sit in an ice bath, I can lean into that uncomfortable state in the ice and feel better afterwards. Have that better mental um, mental game and just smile. I mean, the same thing, the same exact experience can be like viewed through so many different lenses. One of my clients is three and a half hours away on a drive. So I have to wake up at like five. I have to leave my house by 530. And I could grumble and be pissed off. God damn it. I got to drive three and a half hours. There's stupid traffic. This is ridiculous. And when I, when I get there, this is, damn it. That's going to screw my whole day up. I'm not going to be good teaching them this. Or I can be like, all right, 
I get to go teach someone breathwork today. As I drive, I'm going to get to watch the sunrise over the ocean. I'm going to drive through Redwoods, which is fucking amazing. And it's the same experience. And, and like, at the bar, we, we'd see, we would play this game with people. Would you like a free shot? And just if someone was having a bad night and we'd give them a kamikaze, it's a $2 shot at the bar I worked at. And you could tell who had a good mindset. Cause it'd be like, Oh shit. Thanks man. Or, Oh, is this it? It's like, mm. same, same experience, totally different view, different outcome. It's all in how the person wanted to interpret it. So by, you know, the three pillars, the, the breath work, the cold exposure and and a positive mindset, when you apply all of those things, it's a pretty powerful thing. I mean, I watched a 65-year-old woman with a double hip replacement lead a group of 100 people up Mount Schneska. Like, this is, this, what excuse does anyone else have if she can do it? I'm a type 1 diabetic. I'm not athletic at all. Or, and I wasn't. And I'm walking up mountains in my shorts and a backpack and a hat and boots. And you see these super healthy people. They're like, Oh, I could never do that. That's, that's, that's rich. What are you talking about? That lady's got like, she doesn't even have her own hips since she's walking up this thing. What, what is your excuse? Like I, I, I have to give myself like four or five shots a day just to stay alive. And you're complaining that you, you, it's just walking in the cold, man. Come on, let's go. Yeah, that's I, honestly, the more you're talking about it, I think that might be the most important aspect of the entire thing of the three pillars, huh? because I mean, you can knock out the other stuff, but if you don't have the correct, you know, outlook on the rest of it, I mean, you can breathe, but it's not going to be nearly as effective if your mindset's bad, right? Yeah. Well, and a huge, a huge part of the Wim Hof method that men men in Western society anyway, have, have trouble with is surrender. In the ice, you can't endure the ice. It'll kick your ass every single time. It's not something to endure. It's something to surrender to. And a nice calm breath in four, out six through the nose. And, and now you have this calm breath, excuse me, in a stressful situation. So by, by constantly going into the cold, and retraining your body's stress response. I mean, your body is always going to be stressed in the cold, no matter what. Every single time you get in cold water, that's a stressor. And there's so many times in our lives where we're, we're under stress, but we have to perform. And by, by going into the cold, constantly taking that ice bath, having that stress hit you, watching your body tense up, and then you're retraining your reaction to stress. So instead of sitting there and trying to endure it and meeting stress with force, you're meeting stress with a calm breath and suddenly it's not so bad. You're, you're, you're calm, you're, you're serene, you've got that mental clarity. So, so now in the non-ice bath, in the real world, when something hits you, you your body remembers that stress response and now suddenly you're breathing calmly. You're not letting uh, either that other person or, or that situation kick you off your game. That's, that's very interesting to me. So like, 
like I'm on board with it all the way, but have you seen like there be actual transfer from like the event of submerging yourself in water to another stressful event in your life? Like, cause the tasks or the events are different. You know what I'm saying? So like, are you still seeing the same kind of calm response despite the tasks being different? Stress is stress. And for, for example, um, you know, you'll, you'll hear James Nestor say, you know, he, he dealt with his anxiety and his depression uh, when he's talking about, you know, when I applied the breath work, my anxiety wasn't a fear-based anxiety. It was a rage-based anxiety. Uh, I would get really, really blindingly angry. And when I start to get angry and I feel that shoulder tension, I can slow my breath down. And, and in January 28th of 2018, I was rear-ended. I was stopped and the guy uh, just man, slammed into me. Big two-ton pickup truck. He was going about, we, we don't know, anywhere between like 40 and 50 miles an hour and I was at a dead stop. Oh my Lord. <laughs> massive, like I had a massive concussion, all that stuff. But as we got out of the car, I mean, I lost consciousness for about 90 seconds or so. And I'm, I'm calming myself down because I know if I'm picking up the pace, I'm going to be in more pain because that, that's not going to help me. And I'm calming him down. He's starting to freak out. Oh, my God. I'm like, look, man, our cars are already totally messed up. This is not going to help at all. Let's just relax. Let's just slow down. Let's get our info. Someone should probably call the cops. That would be really helpful. But there's no need to be upset. And he's like, how the hell are you calming me down? And that's, that was the natural thing for me to do. And I, I, and then the next two months, I didn't even remember I was a Wim Hof method instructor or that I knew the Wim Hof method, <laughs> but uh, that, that was a long road back to oh, gosh. becoming human. I, I was, I was sub caveman for a couple months. That's wild, man. Um, now let's focus on the breathing pillar just for a little bit. Um, sure. It's, it's probably the one I have the most questions about. Um, and we, we, I've asked you a few questions over the, over the course of the last few Mondays, but just kind of wanted to, in a one-on-one -on -one setting, get a few more answers from you. So, um, <laughs> so for um, the, the breathing in terms of like, what are, the, what are the overall benefits first? Just the global benefits that you see from the, the TUMO breathing where we go through those rounds and maybe talk about how you can regulate um, how you breathe in order to feel a different way from, from breathing rounds of Tumo? Well, from, from the way, um, for me, as, as we're doing that circular breathing, because it's the, the Wim Hof method, it's 30 to 40 circular breaths. Exhale and hold comfortably. Inhale, hold 15 seconds, repeat three to five times. That seems, that's, that's a really simple equation. Now, if I'm breathing faster through my mouth, I'm off-gassing a lot of carbon dioxide. And that's the point of that breath work. As I'm getting rid of carbon dioxide, my veins and arteries are constricting. I exhale and hold, build up carbon dioxide. My veins and arteries are dilating. So you're actually exercising every single inch of your cardiovascular system. And that's, that's huge for me. I'm a type one diabetic. I, I absolutely need that to be exercised because that's what my illness is trying to destroy. And, and then you take that recovery breath in and because you, you've got a little bit of higher saturation of CO2, 
you're trying to make yourself more efficient with the oxygen you use. You do that three to five times. And so your carbon dioxide level starts here before round one. After round one to round two, your overall carbon dioxide drops to here, to round three, to round four. So your, your CO2 level never quite hits what you begin at. And that's, that's what we're aiming for. So what Wim says, you're alkalizing your blood temporarily, carbon dioxide is a mild acid. So by breathing it off, we are quite literally alkalizing our blood and it's dropping point by point by point and that's what it's supposed to do. So for me, I, I'm in pain a lot. I've got a lot of inflammation in my body. I had a lot of stress. Our body wants to be balanced. It wants to be at the proper pH. But if you're stressed all the time, whether it's physical or mental stress. And chronic inflammation is, is one of the leading causes of depression. Like just, it just is. So instead of being balanced, I'm now sitting mildly acidic. My body's not quite where it should be. So I do the breath work. I mildly alkalize my blood and it's just pushing the needle doop, a little bit to the other side. This raises my pain threshold. It releases um, some norepinephrine into my system. It releases adrenaline and cortisol as I'm doing the breath work. The cortisol levels normalize much faster. So I, I'm, I get all that energy. I get that nice big boost of clarity. And your body doesn't want to sit over here either. It wants to be balanced. So, you know, throughout the day, boop, it starts to go back to neutral. And you'll hear people say we balance our, our nervous system. And that's about as close to balancing as I can see is, is we, we help normalize our blood pH. Because it doesn't automatically go back into the stress. It, it takes time. It, it's your environment, your, your mindset, your activities throughout the day. Yeah, or, or your chronic illness will help push you back into that stress. But then the next day you do the breath work and you help reset yourself. So it's, it's putting yourself in that, that balanced state every day consciously, not defining yourself by your pain, by your, your chronic inflammation, not defining yourself by your illness. We have people who have rheumatoid arthritis who can, who can move again, who, who have full mobility. Um, a, lo a lot of the instructors who are really passionate about this were not cured. If we stop doing the breath work and the cold, all of our symptoms come back. But I know people who have MS and Crohn's who are asymptomatic. They haven't had a flare up of their specific illness since they've been doing it. And, and I mean, I'm a diabetic. There's no amount of cold water and breathing that are going to fix that. But it helps with the symptoms. I'm relaxed. Stress increases your stress will just increase your blood sugar because Proper breathing, learning to take that diaphragmatic breath, optimally breathing throughout the rest of the day, becoming more efficient with what we have, raising our hematocrit. Five strong breath holds cause your spleen to release the blood that's inside it. That blood is 80% red blood, or 80% of the red blood cells in your spleen are carrying hemoglobin. So you're, you're, you're really helping oxygenate your body. Now that can stay in your bloodstream for like 10 minutes to an hour. We're not quite sure how long that stays. But if you're an athlete, 10 minutes right at the beginning, uh, having all that extra red blood cells carrying hemoglobin, that's a huge performance boost. 
And you know, there's people taking EPO to try and increase their hematocrit and their blood. Five strong breath holds encourages your bone marrow to produce more red blood cells. So by practicing this method, you're increasing that naturally. You're, and in the ice, when you jump in the, not jump, when you, when you <laughs> sit calmly into the ice, you're, you're putting your body under stress again. And by keeping that calm breath, your body's now releasing endogenous cannabinoids, endogenous opioids. So say someone's an addict. Now they're sitting in the ice and their body's actually releasing endogenous opioids. This is something that shouldn't, that, that doesn't normally happen. So they can, they can bring themselves out of that. If you're in chronic pain, that feels amazing. So I'm, I'm curious, you, were, you mentioned um, going through the rounds of breathing and alkalizing things, right? Um, temporarily, yes. Temporarily, yes. Now, what if we extended breath holds because you were saying comfortable breath holds. And I know there are times where I'll hold my breath where it's uncomfortable. Is that kind of like almost the, the reverse of what's going on? Are we making things uh, more hypoxic then, uh, utilizing those breath holds? Temporarily, but we're going back and forth. Oh, we're yeah, doing with it on the, purpose. With additional breathing. Okay, okay. <clears throat> and that's, that's the point. So you're, you're doing that first round and your CO2 is going... Doo -doo 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 but your oxygen level, like if you were an SPO uh, two meter, your oxygen level will be at like 99, 100%. That's just the available oxygen in your bloodstream. They, they don't tell you how much is being utilized, where and why and how, that, that doesn't happen. It, it's carbon dioxide is what tells our body it's time to breathe. That, that tightness in our chest of holy crap, I'm gassed out, isn't a lack of oxygen, it's a surplus of CO2. So by raising your CO2 tolerance, you're actually increasing your athletic output. You can go further, faster, um, longer. And so, yes, your, your CO2 level drops, your O2 level rises, and then we hold our breath. Now our O2 level's dropping, and our CO2 level's rising. And it's not going to get to the point it was before, but once it gets to the breathe stimulus, we can push it a little further. So we breathe, oxygen level comes up, boom, okay. And then we breathe again and we bring it back down. So we are um, playing with those two states. If I wanna relax, I'm gonna breathe nice and slow, in through my nose, a super long exhale. And yeah, I'm not pushing myself very far into the sympathetic side of my nervous system. Uh, and I'm not also what I, cause I'm not getting rid of as much carbon dioxide as I could. I could really push hard and redline it, but that's not what I want to do when I want to relax. So I'll breathe through my nose. The gap, this is, this is not to scale. This is just, you know, for example, um, <laughs> this, I, I call it yellow. You know, this is, this is yellow in nose out mouth is orange. I'm pushing myself a little further. I'm making the gap between sympathetic and parasympathetic that much further. And then in mouth, out mouth, that's redlining it. Like I'm pushing myself so deep into that sympathetic state that as I exhale, I'm getting rid of more carbon dioxide. When I exhale and hold and build it up, there's a bigger gap. So that's when you'll see people be like, my breath hold was four minutes. Holy crap. How'd I do that? And it's because you're just off gassing so much carbon dioxide that it takes longer for your body to go, oh, breathe now. And there's no special thing there. And, and so never, ever do this in water. 
if you want to practice like being able to hold your breath for a super long time in water, go talk to a free diving coach. They're, they're like, they're the underwater experts. They'll keep you safe. They, they, they know how to do it. Please go check them out. The Wim Hof method is more for altitude acclimation. Uh, we're, we're one of the few breath works in the entire world that can get rid of acute mountain sickness on the spot. Um, pretty much we, we don't suffer. Well, not anyone who's practicing it properly doesn't suffer or can completely minimize uh, acute mountain sickness. And that's huge. I, I love being able to be like, are you a hiker? Uh, kind of. Did you have to acclimate? <laughs> no. No, I I just walk up the hill. We had to acclimate. Cool, but how? The, yeah, just breathe. Have a nice day, and you just keep walking. <laughs> I mean, Wim That's Wim's awesome. climbed Kilimanjaro multiple times. We've had instructors climb Kilimanjaro, and they don't acclimate. They just walk up the mountain. Oh, so they don't do like that? Walked up to a certain elevation, come back down, like layer it, stagger it up. Damn, nope. that's crazy. Nope, they'll just go. And I mean, yeah, they're going to sleep at some point, but they're doing the breath work. We have breathing exercises to do while you're walking if you start to get that altitude headache. And they're just listening to their body. They're not forcing. And what's great about it, it, it well, not great, is I'm usually last in line. When we hike up a mountain, I'm okay with being last. It, it's, it's fine. I don't have to be first. I'm probably not going to be but I can still make it. And it's, it's that mindset to not, to just, to just not push. And there's times when I, you know, I've got to stop. My body says, no, my blood sugar's crashed. It, it, it's too much. It's too much. I've got to stop for, for a bit. And I stop. I listen to my body. I'm not trying to push past. I don't have anything to prove to anybody. No, if, I've, if I, I've noticed that too. Like, so on, on like, some of the breath holds I've done through, through the rounds. If I don't focus on the outcome of how long it is, cause sometimes I'll like throw a clock on just because I'm curious, but I'll try not to think about the clock, just relax, think about something. And I mean, like I hit like 240 the other day with just the nasal breathing. So just relax nasal yeah. breathing in and out. And I didn't even notice, like I looked down, I was like, holy shit, it's been 240. Like I could probably keep going. Like it's crazy when you, like you said, surrender to just what's going on and, don't make it a competition how much easier it is. So. But that's stressful. If you don't surrender and you're, you're watching the time, you're, the more relaxed we can be, the slower everything builds up. But if you've got someone who's like competing against himself, their body's holding tension, they're like, oh, I've got to get to two minutes. Like that's not going to happen. You're not going to make that time because you're not focusing on the right things. And another thing we tell people is stop trying to time yourself in an ice bath. At most, your ice bath should be two minutes. I mean, you can go to three if you're experienced and you really want to, but it's two minutes. And, if you, it, and that's the max. Get out. Listen to your body. So it, if you're competing against a timer or you're trying to focus on a timer, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is listening to your body and being in the moment. You're suddenly competing against an arbitrary clock. The clock doesn't give two shits how you feel. Those numbers are going to keep going. So if you're listening to a clock that doesn't care and you're sitting in the ice, which is merciless, 
that's a terrible combination. But if you sit there and you listen to your body, you hum. You can help generate that heat with your intercostal muscles and you just relax into it. Suddenly it's this like nice, serene, meditative place to be in. And, you know, find a song that's two minutes long. Or, or, or you know, find a song you like in just the last two minutes of it. Go for it so you can relax into it. But don't, don't try and compete against these arbitrary numbers. And don't even compete against yourself from yesterday. So say today, I take a two-minute ice bath. Awesome. I get to get out. I feel great. I eat something that doesn't agree with me. Or my blood sugar is a little too high. I'm not going to be able to hit that same two minutes as easy tomorrow. And if I'm trying to compete against what I was yesterday without being aware of who I am today, I can hurt myself. This, uh, is, can... this is awesome because so I've actually been talking about this a lot with some other, some other strength coaches, um, getting people to understand that if let's say we play a game one night and then a game another night and we have a heart rate monitor on somebody and let's mm -hmm. say we hit 90% of their heart rate max and stay at it for a while the first night. Let's say, you know, we're averaging like 160 beats per minute or so. I don't know. Just make it up. Uh, yeah. Next night, that same person might only be able to hit 130. And, and the initial gut reaction for like a sport coach is often like, oh, that player just didn't work as hard. No. Your ability to like your 100% output on that night is just not the same, you know, which is why a lot of us really put a lot of value into like rate of perceived exertion, like one through five, how hard did you work? That way we can see on the subsequent night when the heart rate was lower, they still worked maybe a four or a five out of, you know, five, as opposed to like what the heart rate monitor is telling us, which we would think, Oh, he only worked at like a two tonight, you know, or something like that. So I, I yeah. get what you're saying there, man, that makes a ton of sense. It's just paying homage. Every day we change it, it, Like if you got in a fight with your girlfriend or your wife the night before you didn't sleep real well, your five is now suddenly someone else's two. When your five was their five yesterday, that's, that's an amazing approach. Knowing that, that everything, everything affects us. It affects our mental outlook and the story we tell ourselves. If, if you're having a bad day, it's a lot harder to start telling yourself that positive story. And you'll see people like when we hike, we tell people to keep a wide view. We tell people to keep their chin up. Never walk faster than you can breathe through your nose when, when we're doing that cold exposure hike. Because as soon as you see someone do this, <sighs> whoa, 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 whoa. You've just increased the difficulty tenfold. You're, you're, now, you're now looking at the ground. You're breathing through your mouth. You're going to get that tunnel vision. It's going to be a lot harder. And, and just stop for a second. It's okay. Get that proper view. Catch that proper breath. And giving yourself the time to catch yourself when you find yourself flagging. And when we're, when we're pushing ourselves at the hardest and we've hit that wall, that's when you've got to start telling the story of, you know what? Stop thinking about the top of the mountain. You're already at the top. You've just got to go meet yourself there. I want you to think about the next step. And then the next step. At that point, it's, it's no longer that end goal. It's this goal and then this goal and then this goal keep your head up smile lean on your friends man lean on your coach that's what they're there for ask for help don't be that douche who suffers in silence like that guy doesn't help anybody and if you flag and fail and you haven't been telling us you're having a hard time 
Now suddenly it goes from being able to motivate someone to, oh shit, you're a burden. So you mentioned the mouth breathing and struggling, it's like, or all, all, all of a sudden that being like an issue, right? Someone's struggling, you see them mouth breathe, you see them kind of that posture, everything changes. What's uh, like from a physiological perspective, what's the downside of doing that? Well, the, we're not ever, okay, ever is a strong word. If you view your breath as gears, you can go up to like 85% athletic output just by using your nose. And yet you see people when they, when they start performing, just, <sighs> they'll switch to this mouth breathing. And that's like 95 to 100% output. 85 to 95 is in nose, out mouth. But when you exhale through your mouth, you're getting rid of more carbon dioxide than you should. You're not keeping the O2, CO2 ratio where it should be. So as you're breathing quickly and getting rid of more CO2, your veins are constricting. Your blood pressure and heart rate are rising. Now, if you're working out and already under stress, you've just added more stress to the body. So now the body has to work harder to maintain what it was doing before. So now it's not just mental, it's physiological. The difficulty has increased. And by breathing through the nose and like lengthening the exhale, you can keep the CO2 levels maybe a little higher than they should be, causing the veins and arteries to dilate just a little bit more. When we breathe in and out through our nose, we have our nasal cavity, which is huge. In, in the mouth, it's boom, right to the lungs. It doesn't condition the air. As you exhale through the mouth, you also, um, I thought it was 24%, but I, I'm mildly dyslexic. It turns out it's 42%. As you exhale through your nose, you regain 42% of the water in your breath. You, you, your body reclaims it. If I'm breathing through my mouth, every exhale, I'm getting rid of more and more water. That's going to dehydrate me. That's going to make it harder to do what I'm trying to do. So by breathing in through the nose, it filters it, it conditions it for my lungs, and my immune system scans the breath. So it already gives it like, okay, this is what's coming into the lungs. None of that happens through the mouth. And people say, well, it's in nose, out mouth. No, it's in nose, out nose. As you exhale, it reclaims that moisture. It keeps the CO2 levels where they should be. And as your CO2 level rises, you'll get that kind of tightness in your chest. It's okay to go blow off that CO2 to make yourself comfortable. But be aware, by switching to your mouth breathing, you're telling your body high, high output, which is stressful. It's either you're being chased by something that's trying to eat you or you're about to catch something you need to eat. And if you're breathing through your mouth all day, it's like being chased by the world's slowest, grumpiest, pissed off bear. By breathing through your it's nose- never, It's never gonna catch you, but, but it's there. <laughs> it's there, and that stress is there. And you can see people like, their shoulders are up here. They're sitting there angry. And it's like, you can breathe through your nose and calm down. And they don't, it doesn't, it doesn't click that that's all connected. It's all connected. A wide view is a parasympathetic view. Runners, distance runners, endurance runners, you're going to see an increase in your endurance if you fucking keep your head up. Seriously, by staring at the ground, you, you, you tightly focus. That's a hunter's view. That's a very sympathetic view. And there's so many people who unconsciously do that all day.
They're you, in that. It's funny tight. you're saying this too, because I'm very peripheral vision, like obsessed with that in a lot of ways. So like, even if I go on a walk, I just keep my, I just, any car that's passing from farther away, I got to identify what, uh, you know, what, what make and model it is or something like that. Or like, I got to like check out what's going on in these trees and like, you are right. Just expanding your view really does a lot. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It does. I mean, well, that's why people say go out into nature and put your fucking phone away. Go out into nature. It's because you have that wide view. Like, I mean, living in Humboldt County, I don't live there now, but I'd be walking through the redwood trees just like, oh my God. And there'd be people on their phones and I'm like, are you, are, are you kidding me? Are you not seeing Dude, these it, things? It looked, it looked better with the filter on Instagram, man. That's all it was. <laughs> exactly. Or, or, or they're sitting there trying to take the right selfie. And that's their, their, they're missing. They're quite literally missing the forest for the tree. <laughs> and, and so by, by having this wide view, by having a breath that's, that's you're consciously aware of, you're not letting it run away with you. And don't get me wrong. If, if you're not used to nasal breathing, please do not think that, you know, this asshole told me to breathe through my nose and I went for a run and I couldn't do it. Duh, I don't want to try anymore. Can you walk? Can you walk and breathe through your nose? If, it's just like any muscle. I'm not going to expect someone to be able to do 500 pound squats on their first day. That's, uh, you, you got to work up to that. If you can get to their period or leg press or whatever. It all takes time and effort. Working with your nose, getting used to that muscle, walking, practice the breath holds as you walk. Build up that CO2 tolerance. That's huge. Build that CO2 tolerance up. Then go for a jog and see if you can keep it nasal. And then after you can jog and keep it nasal, now go for the run. Yeah, and but, I, I, I uh, oh, sorry, sorry, my bad. No, no. Um, it, I, I, <laughs> I was, uh, I was curious the other, the other point of this, like increasing the CO2 tolerance that would like having higher levels of CO2 before we would like offload it. That can also just aid in oxygen at the, or oxygen being pulled off of, uh, the hemoglobin at the tissue level. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that high CO2 saturation is what tells your body to let the hemoglobin to release the oxygen. So it's this kind of counterintuitive thing where I've got my SpO2 meter and my, 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 the oxygen level in my blood just dropped. Well, yes, but it's now being dispersed amongst your tissues and musculature. And if you want to bring that level back up, it's okay to just. Blow off that CO2, build the available oxygen up and then switch back. So that calm breath. Now, is there a way, is there a way with athletes where this could be detrimental if we go too far down the road of like training in hypoxia or letting the oxygen levels drift down excessively and getting used to that and then in competition having that be an issue or no? Not from what I've seen so far. Um, I've been doing this five years and, um, I, I work with a lot of distance runners and MMA, um, mixed martial artists. I work with um, sports teams and all sorts of sports, volleyball, baseball, uh, football, um, basketball, basketball. They're, they're running so much. Soccer players. And it, it's 
building that CO2 tolerance up and being aware of what you need, if, if you're listening to your body and you're training yourself, it's, it's like a six month journey to become a nasal breathing, like high athletic output from, from day one. Um, some people faster, some people longer, but about six months. And, and basically it just gives you that ability to push that one, two, 3% further. When you breathe through your mouth, you're encouraging an adrenaline drop. And you'll see people like an MMA. MMA is a really good example. Watch the guy coming out of the locker room who's all twitchy. He's been breathing through his mouth the whole time in the locker room and stressing out. He just dropped a shit ton of adrenaline into his system. And now that's too early. He's going to have – that's way too early. But right as soon as round one's about to start – Boom, adrenaline drop at his request or her request. And now suddenly they're in charge. Well, damn it. I shouldn't have now I just gave myself an adrenaline drop. I didn't mean to do that right now. Um, I'm throwing but, you off, man. I apologize. No, I know. It's fine. Uh, I like that feeling. But whew, so by having that, that, that awareness, you can push yourself further. You can be aware that, okay, it's starting to get tight. And if you start to feel yourself go too far, it's just blow off that CO2. That's a really easy exercise. And for these endurance runners or cyclists, anticipate your, your, your load. If I see a hill coming up, I'm not going to keep that same calm breath. And you don't in a car. Think about a car. You're driving for a hill. What do you do before you hit the hill? You give it more gas so that it takes the hill easier. We can do that for ourselves with our breath. For a cyclist, you're trying to tie your, your, your pedal strokes into your breath. Four in, six out. A really easy way. For a runner, you can do it to your steps. And, and you know, a longer exhale is a more relaxing. Keep your head up. I see a hill coming. I'm probably going to go in four, out four, or in four, out two. Quicken my breath. Give myself a little more energy in anticipation of, of you know, the workload I'm going to have. And you'll find that those obstacles are that much easier. Because instead of reacting to being gassed out halfway up the hill, I'm anticipating that load, and my body can respond accordingly and react accordingly. This is all efficiency, and I like that a lot because if you watch, like, you know, a lot of like sub elite athletes, I mean, they're just not efficient in what they're doing. And so I'm, I'm a big fan of it. It makes a lot of sense to me for sure. Um, before I let you go, sorry. I, I, I honestly feel like we could have had a Joe Rogan level, like three hour podcast, but, but sadly I have to be at work here pretty soon. But, uh, oh. um, I am curious with the ice baths, how does that work in, you were saying the other night you do the ice baths after you do like a breathing, some rounds of breathing. Absolutely. How, so does it always have to be in conjunction? Can it be separate? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So there's no dogma. You can do, Wim suggests doing the breath work in the morning and then taking your ice bath. Uh, and the reason is, as we're doing the breath work, it raises your pain threshold, which makes taking an ice bath that much easier. So it, it's just, you know, optimizing the whole experience. Now, if you really want to play with it, you can do the breath work in the morning 
you know, start your day. All right. And then try and take an ice bath at five o'clock in the afternoon after you've had your day. That's much harder to maintain that level of focus. So that, that same ice bath that you could rock out in the morning and be like, Woo, let's go. Now suddenly you're like, holy shit, this is cold. Oh my God. And it's harder. That's, that's a much more difficult ice bath because you, you, you've, you've worked your whole day. Your body's a little more fatigued. Your focus is harder to grasp. So if you want to try that, if you want to try cold exposure with, with, you know, less optimally, try it without the breathing. And that's okay. That's fine. It do, it's, it's fun to experiment with your body. Play with this. Find, you know, when is it the hardest for you to take an ice bath? I like to take an ice bath at night. I mean, I'll probably take one in the morning as well, but I like taking them at night before bed. That no, I mean, about an hour before bed, I'll take an ice bath and my whole body when I get out is relaxed. I'm so much calmer. My body comes up to temperature and I'll take a warm rinse off um, before I go to sleep. Boom, I sleep like the dead. You know, people say I sleep like a baby, but that means waking up every two hours pissed off and hungry, and I just don't find that effective. <laughs> Not good, yeah. <laughs> it's so that it, bartender, it, it, the bartender coming out in you there. You got, you got something for everything. <laughs> and, and it's finding when it's best for you. Try a round of breathing in the middle of your day. Are you stressed? In four, out six. Do the breathing you do in the ice. Practice that when you need it. Find moments... Like when that lady's counting out fucking coins at the grocery store, man, I'm practicing in four, out six. In my head, I wish I could change this monologue. I'm working on it. And they're talking. Shut up. Shut up and just ring me. Come on. I, calm down. Okay. Okay. This is not about me. They're just trying to talk and be with their neighbor. I'm going to calm down and breathe. Some guy cuts me off in traffic. He didn't cut me off. He's just an asshole. So I'm going to, or he's in a rush or she's in a rush. Maybe their wife's giving birth. Maybe something's going on at home. I don't know their story. So I'm going to slow it down. It's not about me. I'm going to breathe and find, find those little stressors throughout the day to practice the breath work too. Dude, I love that. That's so funny. <laughs> you're, you're killing me. Um, uh, how about cryo? Is cryo an alternative or no? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We lose, we lose 25 times more body heat in water than we do air. So you, I, I like cryo. I prefer an ice bath. It's a much, much more like I have done many cryo sessions and I've never felt it in my bones like I do with an ice bath. I can, I can relax into the cryo. It's, it's, it's great. I love it. It's effective. It is cold exposure. But I, I personally like ice baths. It's, it's much more effective for me. I don't have the pain relief in cryo that I do in an ice bath. And so what are the, what are the benefits then physiologically uh, of doing the cold exposure? One, uh, so we're not quite sure scientifically if we're generating more brown adipose tissue in our body or that we're making the brown adipose tissue in our body more active and effective. We, we haven't quite pinpointed that yet. Um, brown adipose tissue is one of the thermal regulators. It generates body heat. So it eats white fat for energy. It has five times more energy capabilities than white fat, 
and it consumes glucose for energy. So it also helps make someone like me more insulin sensitive. But by, by putting yourself in that stressor, your veins and arteries close down in the cold. That's natural. So again, I'm reinforcing that cardiovascular elasticity within my own body. Um, when I get out, it's maintaining that calm breath. And when you submit yourself to that stress and you surrender to it, the body releases for up to six days. You have these... Um, you have reduced inflammation in your body. A healthy person, someone like me with a chronic illness, a chronic pain, three to four days, I'll, I'll see a, a reduction in my overall pain. So for a two-minute ice bath, you can see a net benefit for up to six days of reduced inflammation in the body. That's huge. Yeah. Now, I would like to say, um, if you're working out and you're trying to add mass, do not do an ice bath after your workout. Wait four or five hours for your body to recover because all of those little micro tears that you're having in your muscles that, that really you know, need to build up to add mass, you're going to reduce that, to, that effectiveness. Because you want the inflammation in that case. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you're um, doing CrossFit something or, or you're running and you've just had a you've blasted yourself through a workout and you're sore, get in the ice bath, help recover faster. But it, it is a stress. And by staying calm in that stress, it's not the ice bath itself that, um, you know, the ice bath itself isn't anti-inflammatory. The ice bath is a stressor, but putting yourself in that stressor helps release all of those endogenous chemicals. So, you know, they'll say it optimizes your immune system. But it's the same way as a big workout. As the, the ice bath actually brings your immune system down for a little bit, but then it grows stronger. It, you're looking for a hormetic stress. That stress where, you know, you're, you're a little bit... Because after you work out a good, a good workout, you're not as strong as you were in the beginning. No, yeah, it's absolutely not, yeah. So it's, it's that hormetic stress. That's what we're looking for. That safe, useful stress that causes our body to adapt and grow stronger. And that's... That's where the ice comes into play. So quick, quick one here. Please. I don't know if it can be quick, but okay. craziest experience or story you have with, with all of this on this journey. Okay. That's easy. That's um, an easy one. Okay. <laughs> I, this is right after the master course. So I wasn't a full blown instructor yet. Um, we're, we're in Poland and we're, we're hiking Mount Schneska and a blizzard. <laughs> sweeps down off the mountain. It wasn't supposed to hit us for a couple hours. Like we follow the weather reports. Um, at, at this point, I wasn't wearing a shirt uh, or anything to keep me warm. Uh, the hike up there, the wind was blowing so hard that it was blowing ice crystals into us. And every time the wind hit you, you could hear the entire group go, Ugh! and oh so this God. blizzard hits us right on top of that. I watched someone my size, I'm six foot two, grab a tiny lady and put her on the outside and he tried to hide behind her. It, it was that boom into survival mode. Three participants pulled off to the side. They weren't thinking. Um, the, the place we were going was literally a hundred yards away, but they couldn't see it. And they're like, no, no, we're gonna put our clothes on and we're gonna go back down the mountain. No, you're not. Uh, we, we have instructors stacked all throughout the group to help and make sure this doesn't happen. 
I was there to catch them. So I was like, hey, hey, come on, let's get our clothes on. And it was like in the airplane. Like, oh shit, I've got to put my clothes on first. Okay, my clothes are on. I'm putting their clothes on. And they're like, you need to zip my coat up. My hands are like this because we didn't expect the blizzard. Like, I'm not zipping anything up. Hold your coat shut. So we're holding our coat shut. We do a safety count inside. They notice there's some people missing. Instructors are bolting out the door. And I'm coming around the yellow building with these people. And they, they, when they got, they, they got that cold, they dropped their focus. And it was, they were drunk. They just wanted to walk right back down the mountain. That would have been a bad day. But we had safety procedures in place to make sure that didn't happen. And I was like, all right, this is my job. I love this. So I, I, go, I go out of the cold. I'm like, whoo, that was life right there. And they're like, how are you still laughing? Well, it's either that or cry. <laughs> you should have yeah you should have seen me uh you should have seen me in the bar last month <laughs> this is this is way better <laughs> this is way better way better and that was crazy it was just how how deep that well of perseverance and endurance truly is when we have to call upon it and use it and we'll never know how deep that is until we need it so i was i was super privileged to be able to do that in a relatively safe place with, with all these safety precautions in check. So if I'd lost it, there were six more instructors who were running out literally two minutes later. We would have been fine. But it was, it was fantastic to be able to push myself past my perceived limit of endurance. And, and to come back out of that and be like, well, I don't want to do that again, but that was awesome. <laughs> 100%, man. That's so, that's so great. Now, where can... Uh... Where can people find you? Anything you want to promote? Any social media? Have at it, Chuck, for sure. Okay, so I am socially media inept. Socially media? Shit, I can't even say it right. Um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, it's at Ice Viking Breathworks. I have a web page that's broken, so sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to get it fixed, and by trying, I mean sort of. Um, find me on Instagram. Uh, I'm Chuck McGee the Third on Facebook. Send me a message. I'll get back to you as fast as I can. Um, email me at icevikingbreathworks at gmail.com. I do one-on-one -on -one sessions, corporate sessions, um, when we're allowed to, man. I do retreats all over the world. That's, that's what I love to do. But yeah, so come to my Monday night breathwork session. Yeah, there you go. Afternoon. I was going to say, you got to tell people about that. Yeah. <laughs> Monday night, 9 p.m. Pacific, Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific. And it's simple. The Zoom meeting ID is 750 401 never any charge for anything come breathe have a good time and i could say it's definitely worth it so chuck thanks a lot man i really appreciate the time um dude i might have to you're in san francisco right i might have to might have to swing up there at some point and, so, and i'm near sacramento real. yeah sacramento perfect i might i'm down in santa barbara so maybe i'll come up at oh. some point and uh, come on up make it happen so dude thank you so much for the time though appreciate it thanks for having me sir yep